Welcome to the American Families of Faith podcast. Hosts Lauren Marks and Dave Dollahite share insights gained from two decades of research interviewing various people about the crossroads of faith and family life. Visit AmericanFamiliesOfFaith.byu.edu to learn more. Lauren Marks here with Dave Dollahite. Great to be with you again to talk through another chapter, a chapter from our book, Strengths in Diverse Families of Faith. In that book, we discuss eight or so different religious and ethnic communities, and we take a deep dive into their family lives or their marriage, their parenting, uh, what they believe religiously, what they practice religiously. And today, our focus is on a chapter from that book entitled, New Christians in a New Land. Faith Journeys of Asian American Immigrant Families. This is a a chapter, like the others in the book, that was led out on by two outstanding graduate students that we have at that point in time. Da Ye Sun, who's currently a PhD student at Arizona State University. Raquel Eginton, who's a PhD student at the University of Missouri. Our third and fourth authors on the piece were uh, Yashin Liu, a dear friend and a former PhD student of mine at LSU, who now works for the Louisiana State Department of Education, and Amy I, a senior scholar, highly respected scholar in social work and related issues from Florida State. So three of the first four authors on this paper are Asian immigrants themselves, giving us a real rich insider perspective Dave and I serve as fifth and sixth authors on the piece, and it was a a delight to put this together. The purpose of this study was to explore the influence of religion on both the marital and parent-child relationships within Asian American Christian families. We conducted in-depth interviews that ran about two hours each on average with 24 different immigrant families, a total of 48 individuals, wives and husbands, 24 wives, 24 husbands. And from those interviews, there are several major themes that we want to share with you today. So it's, um, I'm the outsider on this particular study. I didn't do any of the interviews with Asian Christian families. I did about 55 interviews with families of various faith and ethnic backgrounds, but I wasn't able to interview any of the Asian American Christian families. So Lauren and his student did all these interviews. So I'll pop in and help to read some things, help mention some things, but Lauren is the real insider on this particular study. The Pew Research Group does a lot of really nice studies and publishes on their website uh, a lot of surveys about what's going on nationally in terms of religion. In 2012, they did a poll, and they found that 42% of Asian Americans reported that they were affiliated with a Christian religion. And surprisingly to many, more Asian Americans report ties with Christianity than with Eastern religions such as Buddhism. And many Asian American families encounter challenges in relation to their immigration. They're dealing with racial discrimination, perhaps intergenerational conflict, perhaps culturation, obstacles, and these can lead to loneliness, anxiety, and maladjustment that have been demonstrated in various studies of Asian American families. Uh, Recent research has also demonstrated that, like it is for other ethnic groups in America, involvement in a religious community tends to bring benefits. And in particular, studies have shown that for Asian Americans, 
those that are involved in a faith community tend to have higher levels of mental health. And the sense for most social scientists is that at least a part of that is because of the high levels of social support that are provided in faith communities. And faith communities often become very important in the lives of immigrants. This research indicates that many immigrants to the United States have higher levels of religiosity than people born and raised in the U.S. And so this is another example that we'll talk about the benefits that religious involvement, religious belief, religious practice can have for marriage and family life. There are a number of studies that show that for Asian immigrants, religious groups offer a sense of community that supplements the family without replacing the family. And that uh, these faith communities often provide Asian American families with opportunities to participate in cultural preservation and acculturation programs, celebration, for example, of the Chinese New Year, language preservation, other things that, that matter deeply to these families. For Asian American families who convert to Christianity, religion is a mixed blessing. It, uh, it can bring multifaceted dimensions that offer relational support, as we've both just mentioned, but conversion can also bring some difficulties, including familial pain and relational strain via interfaith conflicts that arise when only one person or, or one generation converts. This is true especially given the importance of strong intergenerational ties and elder respect within Asian culture. With all this said, even though we do know some things about Asian immigrant families who are Christian, very few in-depth interview qualitative studies have explored Asian American family processes at the couple or parent-child level and how those relationships influence and are also influenced by religious faith. Our study here aimed to provide a better understanding of both marriage and parenting relationships in Asian Christian immigrant families. So in our case, the couples that were interviewed included 24 Asian American couples, and they ranged in age from their late 20s to their mid-60s. The average age for fathers was 48 and for mothers was 45, and each of these couples had at least one child. That was part of the criteria for our interviews was that folks were parents. Most participants were highly educated, middle-class professionals, and had resided in the United States for an average of about 10 years. Of the sample, about 20% converted to Christianity before they immigrated from their Asian country, either China, Japan, Korea, or Taiwan, and the rest converted to Christianity after they arrived here. And participants reported that their conversions took anywhere from about one to about nine years. As is true for many of the chapters in this book, we take a strengths-based approach. We want to zero in on admirable qualities of these families, and we look at three different domains of findings. First, some general life strengths that, for some of our listeners, would be very similar to positive psychology. We'll also look at some marital strengths and some parenting strengths. Each of these domains has three smaller related themes that we'll touch on. And in connection with all of these themes, we're going to share some of the participants' own words and accounts with you. In terms of general life strengths, the first area where we'll focus, one strength that came up was identifying life's purpose. 
a theme that permeated many of these Asian American immigrant participants' responses and in their interviews with us was the phenomenon of identifying meaning and purpose in life through their religious life, beliefs, practices, and faith community. We will share a few names. These are pseudonyms, and we apologize in advance for likely butchering some of these Asian names, but we'll, we'll give it a shot. A Chinese father named Xing said, We have our faith, and our faith lets us have special meaning in our life. We know where we come from, where we are going. We know the purpose of life. We are created by God. We know the road we will take. We give testimony for this special meaning. Uh, I will mention that about half of these interviews were originally conducted in Mandarin. Many of those by Yashin Liu, who painstakingly not only transcribed, but then also translated the interviews verbatim. And so there's a, a flavor of our participant comments in connection with the Asian American families, including those from China and Taiwan, that's evident, and we hope you'll appreciate so the second theme under the general life strengths domain, we call peace in times of stress or affliction. Quite a few folks talked about how their faith helped them when they were dealing with difficult times. One of the main things was mentioned was the idea of God's purpose or God's plan. And that was important to people, especially in times of challenge. When asked what aspects of her faith helped her to deal with major stresses or challenges in her family, Juan, a Chinese mother, reflected, when we lost our first child, I believe it was God's almightiness that helped us to pass through it. In fact, in our daily life, we need peace and watch care from God. We believe everything that has happened, no matter whether it is good or bad, is in God's hands. We deliver our burden to God. A father who experienced financial difficulties uh, expressed a similar type of trust in God when he said, We had low salaries. When we were poor, we gave according to God's will. God never let us suffer. He always is giving to us. We have lacked nothing. He is the giving God, and it is always He who gives to us first. These parents and many of the other families reported how their trust in God offered them a sense of peace in their lives and helped them to find comfort during challenges, challenges as severe as a child's death and poverty. The final general life strength that we'll touch on, we refer to as internalization of pro-social values. Uh, based on the participant reports, Christian beliefs and faith community facilitated development of pro-social values like sharing, loving, giving, caring in their families. One Chinese husband said, we are living for glorifying God and benefiting others. We live not for ourselves only, we do not focus on our family only. May God bless the others through us. We live a life not only for ourselves, but also for others. A mother named Vera referred to these acts of being kind and, and quote, treating everyone with dignity and respect, quote, as Christian values. Our Asian participants repeatedly referred to the Bible as a source of those pro-social teachings. And, and one mother stated, quote, the Bible says that giving is better blessed than receiving. And another mother emphasized, quote, the Bible says to love one another, love your neighbors, end quote. When asked about their religious congregation, 
many participants spoke of being one big family, which is a theme that we noticed across a variety of ethnic communities, but was particularly strong in the Asian Christian communities, folks that we interviewed. They referred to fellow members as brothers and sisters. For example, Chan Ming, a Chinese husband, said, Church has become a necessary and very important part of our life. Our church is a big family. Brothers and sisters are actually in one family. The church's things are our own family's things. We'll now move from general life strengths or elements and aspects of positive psychology to marital strengths. The first theme that popped up as we looked at marital strengths among these families is becoming united. Asian American couples often spoke of the importance of family relationships and particularly of unity between spouses. Uh, Several of them expressed the importance of the scriptural charge to, quote, become one flesh, end quote. And they discussed the influence of this teaching, something that occurs both in Genesis 2 and in Ephesians 5. When asked what some of her deepest spiritual beliefs were in relation to marriage, one wife said, that the Bible teaches, quote, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. In this one flesh or oneness, the boundaries between you and I should be fused together, and there shouldn't be the distinction of yours and mine between a husband and wife. You will notice that uh, there is a verbatim scriptural quote in that phrase, and that was shared verbatim by that wife from memory. We mention in the chapter itself that no Christian group that we interviewed cited the Bible more frequently or with more accuracy than the Christian Asian immigrants that we interviewed, which is doubly impressive in that every one of them was reporting or reciting these verses from memory in a a second or third language. Wei, a husband, also expressed and addressed his deepest spiritual beliefs about marriage in response to the same question we just mentioned. Wei said, if you regard your spouse as part of your body, you will treasure her more and will not regard her as an outsider. This is a very important belief. Yue and Kuang, a Korean couple, explained how they were able to achieve oneness in their marriage by mutually working to be closer to God in what many Christians call the divine triangle. Uh, Kuang, the husband, said in terms of drawing closer to each other, this answer is simple. Look up to God. Just like a triangle, both of us look up to the Lord. The distance between us is more and more narrow Uh, meaning as they grow closer to the Lord, they grow closer to each other. Yue, Kwan's wife and partner, says, I think God wants us to be one. God's words remind me the husband and the wife are different individuals, but now we have God. Before our conversion, we were usually unpleasant with each other for some little things such as shopping or education, but now God is above. My husband said, We should look up to the Lord. Let God be the Lord of our family. We have distance, but we are closer when we look upon the Lord. There are differences between a man and a woman, but we will become closer and closer and meet on the spot where God is the common center 
of our life. I'll mention briefly that that last rich phrase, we will become closer and closer and meet on the spot where God is the common center of our life, struck Yashin, one of our co-authors, so deeply that she did an analysis and wrote a separate paper on that topic. A second theme in the marital strengths uh, domain involved resolving conflict. Uh, when asked if there were any religious beliefs or practices that helped her to resolve or reduce a conflict in her marriage, a wife explained that, The most important lesson I have learned is to come to God directly and ask God why we have these problems. God lets me know the faults of mine and where the key problems are. We may have conflicts still after our conversation, but how to deal with it is different from before because our characters have been transformed. When asked if religious beliefs and practices influence her marriage, another wife said, When I began to pray, God let me see my weakness first. We might accuse each other if we did not pray together. It is very strange that God would let you see your weakness as soon as you pray. We would not be so emotional. Sometimes we quarreled, not because of something important, but, but because of our hurt feelings. God will let us see what the problem was. Then we would be able to calm down. So for both of these women, the act of asking God for help in their marriages helped them to see their own faults or their own weaknesses. And a number of these folks, as well as uh, other Christians and other ethnic communities, quoted scripture in relation to how their faith helped them. And this, this idea that's in the Bible about first taking the beam out of your own eye before trying to remove the little speck of something in someone else's eye, that was an important principle for many. Yes, this power of prayer as a calming influence is something that our colleague Frank Finchin has researched a great deal at Florida State. Uh, we see it pop up here as these uh, Asian Christian families talk about cooling things down and in marriage and engaging in conflict resolution. I think a little bit later in this chapter, we'll revisit this and find out that it's also a strength in cooling and calming parent-child differences in, in relationships. It has been pointed out even by some of our colleagues within the family realm that don't care much for religion, that even for those who are not believers themselves, like these Asian Christian families are, that prayer is certainly a better coping resource than alcohol abuse or domestic violence. And so wherever we fall on the range of belief, prayer is a powerful potential coping resource based on research with diverse samples, including these folks, our Asian Christian brothers and sisters. With marital strengths, we move to a final theme that came up, promoting forgiveness in marriage. When asked about his deepest spiritual beliefs relating to marriage, one husband said, marriage between a couple is a commitment both to God and to each other. It is a lifelong commitment that cannot be changed. Love, mutual respect, patience, and forgiveness are important ingredients of marriage. I cannot give you specific examples of how these virtues have influenced our marriage. However, I can say that all these together have great influence on our 42 years of marriage. Several participants, as I mentioned earlier, directly reference the Bible, often uh, via memorized scriptural references, but some also alluded to Jesus' command to forgive. 
Zhao and Ping, a Chinese couple, said, at first Zhao the husband, a lot of people give up on their marriages as they get discouraged. We have to depend on God when we are feeling discouraged and not give up. Ping, Zhao's wife, then added, we really need to practice forgiveness. Jesus said we have to forgive unlimited times. One final quote about this issue of marriage and, and forgiveness. Kiwana Korean wife tied uh, her commitment to forgiveness. She said, this is what we must learn. This is a very important lesson. Love is precious as we are getting old. God puts the two together, man and woman, that is marriage. When they're in their 80s or 90s at the end of life, they value each other even more. We were moved to see two long marriages. This is a commitment, a long period of time. No matter what problems there are, we should forgive each other. Dave, we don't go into detail here, but what Kawana is talking about is that there was a, a recent marital celebration at our Korean Christian church where two golden marriages, 50 plus uh, year marriages, were brought and celebrated as a community. And this deeply moved her and her husband. I am reminded that we mention repeatedly throughout this book, both this chapter and throughout, that there just is no such thing as a problem-free marriage. And even where we interviewed exemplars, folks who'd been pointed out to us by their clergy, this is across faith, across race, as exemplary couples, that uh, they would tell us, oh, we've battled. And many indicated that their marriages would not have endured past three, five, seven years had it not been for the deep faith that they were able to lean on, as was mentioned here by Kwan. We shift uh, heading down the home stretch from marital strengths to parenting strengths. So zeroing in on the parent-child relationship. One of the first themes that jumped out at us as we analyzed these interviews was that participants addressed increasing parent-child unity. As several parents identified prayer as a frequent source for resolving conflict and also for increasing unity and relational closeness with their children. A Chinese mother, Mei Fen, said of her son, there were several times this year he said he felt bad when he came home from school. The son was about 13. He wanted me to pray with him hand in hand in his room, and then he felt better. Prayer has become his practice. When he met serious problems, he asked me to pray for him. I asked him what's wrong when I noticed his depression. Again, he told me why he was down and asked me to pray with him hand in hand. When we pray, he always has asked for us to pray together hand in hand. It seems that he has found answers through prayer. I don't know how to do this if we had not believed in God. Dave, before we continue, I, I want to mention to our listeners that there is often a stoicism, a stereotypical stoicism or distance that's portrayed in Asian families on the whole, including Asian American families. And well, as with any family or any group of families, there are variations in distance and closeness and warmth. I will say that what we observed was a, a profound warmth in many of these families. 
And admittedly, that was often demonstrated in a little bit more reserved way than within other cultures. I think that this image here of the sweet mother May Finn taking her son's hands and praying together, it captures a missing element in many of the previous articles. Do you think that religion, religious belief, or religious practice, or religious community, or religious culture has anything to do with that increased warmth that you saw manifest in these couples? They do tell us point blank in the data quite a bit about marital warmth and how that has changed following their conversion to Christianity. There's less about parental warmth and parental affection in these particular interviews, but based on being in their homes and in hearing them discuss how deeply they feel about their Christian faith, I'm confident saying that there is a positive influence. Although conversely, many, if not most of these individuals converted to Christianity and their parents remained in a, a traditional Eastern faith, Buddhism, Taoism, etc., and they speak of their parents with profound warmth and respect as well, even though they don't share that tie of faith. So is there influence? Yes, but I, I want to be careful not to overstate it because uh, part of what I, I wish to say is that there's a tenderness in many of these Asian families that is stereotyped over, whether a multi-generational Christian in nature or not. And that's part of why this book from which this chapter comes is important because we do cover eight different religious ethnic communities, and our approach was to ask the same questions across a couple hundred families in America, across many different religious and ethnic communities, and then we did a similar kind of analysis of careful coding of those interviews. You know, we have about 8,000, 10,000 pages of interview transcripts, something like that. So we have students go through in great detail and, and really trying to be as consistent as possible in the analyses. And so what this American Families of Faith project and what this book offer is kind of a unique thing. You know, most studies of religion offer interesting numbers, uh, quantitative you know, close-ended questions that provide percentages and averages, and those are quite interesting. And then a number of people have done qualitative studies of a particular faith group of Jewish families only, or of Muslim families only, or Asian Christian families only. And those are also very interesting and important, and we love to read those kinds of studies. What we offer in our project and in this book is a different kind of a thing. It's a large-scale study with a couple hundred families, about 700 people across the country from many backgrounds, many different faith communities. And then we use a similar in-depth methodology to try to understand them. And so it's interesting as we're doing here and focusing on Asian Christian families to think about their unique strengths. And that's what the focus of our work is, is to kind of draw out the unique strengths of each faith community. But we also like to look at commonalities across faith communities. And this sense of prayer and forgiveness and deep belief in God, people tell us that it tends to help them in their relationships. It tends to help them feel closer 
in their marriages and their parent-child relationships. It tends to help them to forgive each other more, to be deeply committed to each other. And so it's fun to focus in on each faith community and then also to think about how they connect with people in other communities. A wife named Lee shared, a sister in our church who is living with her mom told me that her mom once had a bad temper and felt that everybody should listen to her. But now her mom has her own way to avoid conflicts, prayer. Now if they have conflicts, her mom will pray and not talk back. She found her mom changed. Her mom said that she learned from others in the church that if there was a conflict, she should pray right away. After prayer, she had peace in her heart and did not want to argue. This is a lesson. We can change ourselves through prayer. So maybe there's a partial answer to the question you asked earlier about warmth. This is an adult daughter and an older mother, but prayer, faith, help change hearts here and soften conflict, which indirectly certainly tends to bring about more warmth than a, than a bad temper does. We'll go ahead and, and shift to a second domain of parenting strengths, teaching religious values. A Chinese father that we interviewed said, we know what God wants us to be. We have a goal that we want to be a person that pleases God. We hope our children will also please God. When they grow up, they will glorify God and benefit others. This is our central and only hope for our children. A mother named Vera expressed that based on the Christian values, quote, respect is very important in our family. We treat everyone with dignity and respect and make sure that we're kind, end quote. Locke, a Chinese father, also said that he and his wife strive to, quote, teach our children to serve God with all their strength, end quote. So now we'll move to a, the third and final theme under the broad domain of parenting strengths. And this has to do with parenting in diverse styles. And this is one of the more interesting themes that was discovered in, in the analyses of these interviews, sort of different approaches uh, to parenting and different strengths and weaknesses of those. Many Asian American Christian immigrant parents focused on sort of one of two aspects in uh, what we call parenting style. One group of parents regarded their parent-child relationships to be equal, and that is um, that equal relationship between parents and their children. So it's kind of a horizontal relationship. While another group of parents talked about their parent-child relationships in more vertical or hierarchical ways. So the first one, in speaking about horizontal parent-child relationship, way a father noted, quote, In our family, I am the father of my son, but we are also brothers. This is very important, and we are equal. I regard him as a little brother. And we grow up together in Christ, end of quote. Uh, as an example, in the second group of parents that focused more on a hierarchical parent-child relationship, more perhaps traditionally Asian, emphasized that children's responsibilities are to obey and respect their parents. So along these lines, one father said, obedience is an important lesson. Children obey. Another father said, they teach their children to obey and respect and explain to their child why he should listen to them. And a mother referred to teachings in the Bible that indicate the need for children to, quote, respect your parents, end of quote. 
She explained that if she does this now, then, quote, my children would learn to know how to treat their parents later, end of quote. So this idea of a sort of a difference of parenting styles is consistent with what other studies have shown, that religion in some cases tends to, and in some families and in some cultures, tends to emphasize hierarchy between parents and children. And in other cultures and families, it tends to bring a greater sense of intimacy and even a sense of equality between parents and children, that they're all children of God and all together trying to honor and obey their heavenly parent, God. Yeah, I think on the the note that you touched on there at the end, the heavenly parent, God, Dave, that some with Christian theological sensitivities might think of the first and the second commandments, to first love God and then second to love your neighbor as similarly vertical love God and horizontal love your neighbor kinds of commandments. I believe that both as scholars and on an individual level, we would emphasize both, that these are harmonizing and synergistic elements, and we don't necessarily wish to pit those two concepts against each other. And similarly, I think for for these parents, these are not hardline pure types, where parents are entirely hierarchical or entirely horizontal, but that the area of emphases it does change from family to family. But ultimately, whether parents, these Asian American Christian parents, were more horizontal and egalitarian or more vertical and authority-centered, both groups emphasized their responsibilities to teach their children by setting positive examples for them, a concept we heard across all eight major faith groups, leading by example. A Chinese mother named Wan said, quote, Teaching children is teaching myself. I learn lessons by obeying God myself. End quote. A Japanese husband named Deshi said, Parents are the best teacher for their kids. Kids like to imitate parents. Parents have a big influence on kids about how to be a human. If I said to them, Do not lie, then I should not lie. Kids will learn from the model of parents. If we have a good relationship in our marriage, our kids will feel safe. They would not fight each other. They would get along well. Faith is beneficial to both marriage and family. So this study, like the other studies that we talk about in our book, was to help understand from listening carefully to those who shared their lives and their faith with us to try to understand how the Christian faith Uh, influences marriage and family life. In this case, how the Christian faith encourages and assists Asian American immigrant families in their marriages and families. As Lauren mentioned earlier, many participants either implicitly or often explicitly regarded biblical teachings as guidance. And, And as Lauren said, they often quoted directly from the Bible in explaining what their belief was and how their belief influenced them. They often expressed that they found faith-based meaning and purpose in their life, even in very challenging times. Many participants talked about the idea that God helped them to be more unified in their marriage, and therefore their marriage was a sacred commitment between spouses and also between those spouses and God. And also they mentioned the idea of God's plan that came up repeatedly, 
and how an understanding of God's plan and acceptance of God's plan could help them in having mutually reinforcing relationships and help strengthen their marital commitment, their marital unity, and their conflict resolution, often through practicing forgiveness. Forgiveness was regarded as a really important element in their marital commitments, and many talked about wanting to create greater unity in their marriage and keep their commitment to God, and if they wanted to do that, then they had to forgive each other. In terms of parenting, parents often talked about that their efforts to love and serve those in their community, not just their family, but more broadly, made a difference in how they taught their children. So we're now going to move to a some concluding ideas and step back a little bit and talk about what we've learned from this. With the increase of the population of Asian American immigrants in the United States, it's important that we try hard in various ways, using different kinds of studies and approaches, to try to understand how this significant and this growing minority adapts, assimilates, accommodates, and engages in religious and family transformation. We think it's important for Americans more generally to understand how various immigrant communities are adapting and adjusting to their time in America. In this case, for about 40% of Asian Christian families in general in America, Christian beliefs, practices, and faith community plays a big role in them making those transitions in, in that immigration and assimilation process. And obviously, assimilation is, or acculturation is a very controversial issue in terms of immigrants across all, you know, coming from all backgrounds. To what extent should people acculturate or assimilate to the sort of broader American culture, whatever that is, or to what extent could they and should they maintain their cultural practices, cultural beliefs, cultural values? from the countries of origin from which they come. That's a whole other set of issues and challenges and, and a whole other discussion. But for some of these families, like the 24 that we interviewed in this study, faith was not only influential in helping them in their ability to have a, a new community within which they can feel connected and grow together, but it also made a really big difference in their marriage and family life. And, and a number reported that their faith was the center of their lives. As we head down the home stretch, Dave, I've been trying to think of some ways to convey the magic and the experience of interviewing these families in their homes and getting to step onto what, what we call their sacred ground. Uh, I will tell you that no group among those that we interviewed was more likely to offer us dinner when we came to do the interviews. Many of these interviews, if not most, were actually conducted while sitting cross-legged on Tommy mats, uh, wicker mats on the floors of these different homes. If I were to try to convey the most important thing that I learned an experience that doesn't show up in the chapter or in the related article, I think it would be that for these families, the pinnacle virtue may be honor. In American culture, we are fixated, sometimes wonderfully so, sometimes to our detriment, on demonstrated expressions of physical love, hugging, embracing, and I don't mean to demean that at all, but that kind of demonstration was not necessarily culturally appropriate for these families, but the palpable sense of honor and respect 
that existed among these families, remembering that we were referred to then by Corgi, who said, these families are as strong as any we have, left me contemplating if perhaps we can't learn some very important things in mainstream American culture about the place of honor and nobility and respect, words that are treated sometimes as passe or idealistic. I greatly appreciated the lived example that these families offered in their homes, in their interviews, and in the treatment I observed between the wives and the husbands and the children. Another thing that is missed at some level in our chapter that I'd love to convey that was demonstrated by Yashin, one of our co-authors who invested so much here, is that for the minority of our sample who converted to Christianity in China uh, in particular, there was a one-child policy that was very strictly held at the point in time where some of these couples had one child. The pronatalist ideology of Christianity, I think of the words of Jesus, suffer or allow the little children to come unto me. The very children-centered focus of Christianity reportedly led some of these couples to want to have more than one child. And for those who made that decision, they had to emigrate from mainland China, and essentially the bridge was burned. This was literally an act of faith. Of course, we, we might argue that Anyone having a child is engaging in an act of faith and hope, but uh, they were burning bridges, so to speak, taking a leap of faith into a new world, a new culture, a new dominant language. With that said, two unique features of this sample from Japan, Taiwan, mainland China, Korea, is that every adult that we interviewed was an adult immigrant to the United States from Asia, and that all of our participants were adult converts to Christianity, something that we can't claim for any of the other groups that we interviewed. Now, some converted in their native land, as I mentioned, about 20%, 80% converted here. And as you mentioned earlier, those conversions in most cases were not quick. They ranged reportedly from a year to nine years, but we're not talking about folks who converted in two to four weeks. The conversions, religious conversions were slow, but they also stuck, so to speak. One, I think, very admirable feature of this religious ethnic community that solicited holy envy from us was their courage to embrace change to move to new frontiers. These uh, individuals and families literally crossed the globe. They entered a new sociocultural world in search of their own vision and version of the good life and did their best to, to create that. Most of the women and men in our Asian American Christian sample sought advanced education, graduate degrees, and or employment and that education or employment was rooted in a second or a third language that was significantly different from Mandarin, Japanese, Korean. Further, of the participant individuals and families who converted to Christianity, many of them made profound and often uncomfortable changes 
as they adopted not just a, a new religion, but a new worldview and, and often a new way of life. And the costs were, in some cases, substantial. And in some cases, they continue to be substantial due to intergenerational rifts with parents who did not convert. Or as I mentioned earlier, with difficulty being able to return and visit their native lands uh, due to decisions regarding how many children they had. Having embraced Christianity, however, these families that we interviewed vigorously held to what they professed to hold dear. The sincerity of their, their conversions and their convictions were beyond question for us. Few groups, perhaps with the exception of the African-American families that we interviewed, uh, perhaps no other group manifested the same level of pragmatic collectivism that was evident among the Asian Christian churches in their families. We've elsewhere written about the long, strong arm of the black church. Let me tell you, the arm of the Asian Christian church has its length and strength as well. Some examples of this include families literally meeting these newly immigrating families at the docks in San Diego, in Los Angeles, on the East Coast, to welcome these families as they arrived and to make extensive efforts to help them culturally, religiously, economically, to adapt to life in the United States. In spite of their uh, very high levels of education and learning, surpassed, I, I think, only by the Jewish families that we interviewed as a group, there was a palpable sweetness, a sincerity, a humility among these Asian American Christian families that deeply impressed us, both during the physical interviews and reading through their interviews or translated interviews. I will not forget the, for lack of a better term, the spirit that I felt during these particular interviews. And part of that humility, graciousness, the sweetness that seemed to emanate from these families was a gratitude to be living on American soil. A closing note, perhaps, is that when we realize that in 1989, I did some retrospective looking at these interviews. In 1989, nearly half of the individuals that we interviewed for the Asian Christian branch, they were still living in China during the tragic massacre of the, the June 4th incident at Tiananmen Square, uh, reminding us of the precious nature of both religious and political liberty that these Asian Christian immigrants to the U.S. seem to embody. I will close by saying we develop holy envy at some level. You, me, the students who have the blessing of coding these interviews, reading through them, studying them, we develop some holy envy and admiration of elements of each of the groups that we examine and, and to some degree fall in love with as they let us share some of their sacred ground with them. Again, in closing, if I had to, to summarize the take-home message or lived example from this group in one word, I believe it would be honor. To honor family relationships is sacred. To honor their newly found faith in the Christian God 
as sacred and then to stand diligently by both of those beliefs and do their best to live them out with honor. Doctors Dave Dollahite and Lauren Marks are both professors in the School of Family Life at Brigham Young University. The American Families of Faith Project shares research-based ideas about ways of making faith come alive in marriage and family life.